Welcome to CineStudy, an incomparable extravaganza featuring film breakdown, analysis, and overall good times. Now for our eighth episode, Hoodwinked. Study. This is episode 8. I'm your host Dylan and joining me today is... Mason. Yes, that's right. Back to being not just me. And hopefully that will be a trend for a couple episodes to come for now. But let's just jump into it. Today's movie is 2005's Hoodwinked, directed by Corey Edwards, as well as Todd Edwards and Tony Leach. And starring Anne Hathaway, Glenn Close, Jim Belushi, Patrick Warburton, Anthony Anderson, Exhibit, and just a bunch of other people that we'll tackle eventually, but for now, just keep that in mind. Exhibit. Yeah. So let's go ahead and read the IMDb plot synopsis so you have a general idea of what this movie is, if you have no idea what we're talking about. So, Little Red Riding Hood, The Wolf, The Woodsman, and Granny all tell the police the events that led up to their encounter. What a terrible plot synopsis. Yeah, it really doesn't do the movie justice. I yeah. don't think that, uh, that doesn't really intrigue you to go see it, but... No, yeah, IMDb plot synopsis are always, like, way too broad like this, where they give you, like, yeah, the entire plot. Yeah, they plot. do that for, like, yeah, shows and stuff, too. Basically, it's just how uh, there's some sort of mystery of people stealing recipes from the grandma's bakery, and all these people are trying to explain themselves why they didn't do it, who did, who they think did do it. Just kind of a fantasy fairy tale mystery. Also just a comedic masterpiece. Yes, indeed, is it a comedic masterpiece. Which, I guess, leads right into the Crash Course. Some just kind of information on this, some trivia, some statistics on it. So let's go through kind of the stats first. This movie's rated PG, classified on IMDb as animation, comedy, and crime. I'd say that's, you know, a fairly accurate assessment. It's an hour and 20 minutes on the shorter end, even for an animated movie. Uh, this movie was not really nominated for any awards. Not much to say about that. Currently on IMDb, it holds a 6.5 out of 10 stars. Ooh. Without giving your rating, how do you feel about that? Mm, that 6.5? Not, mm, not a... Not high enough. Gotta get that number, the rookie number. I think that number. could be boosted a little bit. Again, this movie's rated PG. I'm not gonna go through why. I mean, you know, it's, it's an animated movie. I don't have to explain that very much. But let's just go through kind of some of the trivia and stuff like that that is always fun to read off. Not too many fun facts about this movie, just kind of some ad-libs and funny stories and nods to pop culture that we'll, you know, try and tackle at some point during the spoiler section. Maybe for some reason you might care that it was animated independently entirely in the Philippines. That rivets you. But the other thing we like to do in Crash Course is, you know, kind of go through and see what the directors have done. Alright, so let's look at the directors, uh, Corey Edwards and Todd Edwards. I'm pretty sure out of my limited knowledge that they haven't done pretty much anything else. Oh, Edward's they have an impressive repertoire of VeggieTales episodes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Look at this. VeggieTales, Veggies in Space. Really? VeggieTales, Noah's Ark. They also did Dougal, the trailer you see before Hoodwinked all the time. They also did the screenplay, apparently, for Hoodwinked, too. Although, I'm actually looking at the writing right now, so let's look at the directing. They directed this movie, and that's about it. A couple other miniseries on TV. One-hit wonder. So, yeah, this is... The, pretty much the epitome of a one-hit They showed up, wonder. knocked it out of the park, and then yeah. called it quits. And just, yeah, and just kind of gradually faded out of girls. existence. Honestly, that's a bit about it for Crash Course. There's not much to know about this movie. You know, there's not that much fun trivia. Uh, I, I don't see anything regarding the cast, although, you know, this has a pretty amazing cast. But we're about to cover that because, as you know, our first kind of true segment on this show is the acting section, so we'll just kind of go through one by one, talk about how we think they did, and then give our kind of best performance. So, uh, Anne Hathaway as Red Riding Hood, aka Red Pucket. How do you think Anne Hathaway did? 
I, I mean, you can't really say much if it's just a voiceover for an animated movie. Yeah, but. I can't find many flaws, but I can definitely highlight some people. So we'll try and kind of just rip through these. Anne Hathaway's fine, I think. Glenn Close is fine. Jim Belushi is Kirk the Woodsman, though. I think that's a per- that's a perfect voice yeah, for a woodsman. Yeah, he's, see he's that. the quintessential woodsman. Come back in? It's a callback. I had always heard about callbacks, but I had never gotten one. A callback? Huh? What do I do? Here's here's the one I really want to hit up. Patrick Warburton. War, Warburton stole the show as, for me. As Wolf W. Wolf. Killed it. <laughs> Thought I get a drink? No. So, Mr. Wolf, may I call you Wolf? You can call me Sheila. I like long walks and fresh flowers. Quit playing around, Wolf! Your face looks familiar. I get around the forest. What do you do for a living, Mr. Wolf? I'm a shepherd. Hey! You might as well confess. I told them everything. Could you keep her away from me, please? I remember you. Three years ago on the Stiltskin case, you were snooping around for a lead on his real name. That was close, too. I was going to go with Greg. Greg Stiltskin. Hey, uh, wait a minute, Flippers. You saying this guy's a cop? Or worse, he's a reporter. A what? And I've got the real story. I don't think... Stole everyone's hearts as I mean, Wolf W. Wolf. Whenever he is an animated voice, he automatically becomes the best character. You've got Kronk in Emperor's New Groove. His voice just stands out. That's pretty just, much the only example I need to put out there. It's just memorable. I mean, I think a lot of the voices are good, though. Anthony Anderson as Detective Bill Stork, sort of the uh, kind of side guy to Chief Grizzly, who's played by Exhibit, who also is pretty good. Uh, you know, impressive voice work by the director, who voiced Twitchy, this high-pitched uh, squirrel. Really not much to say about the acting. I'll just say that, like, I think you can sum it up as a whole that this movie has really interesting voice acting. You know, like, I feel like voice acting is something that people don't think about too much, but yeah. everybody in this movie has, like, a really signature voice. Andy Dick, too. Yeah, everybody has signature writing. This whole episode is probably going to be pretty basic in terms of how we analyze everything and more of us just like talking about highlights in a plot sense rather than any technical things. Yeah. But I guess we can just say, yeah, I really like the voice acting in this movie. One of my favorite like voice acting movies if I had to think of some, you know. I think like there's pretty perfect cast. I, I think like some of the most perfectly voice casted movies are often Pixar movies like Monsters, Inc. I feel like it's so perfect. Second for me only to surf up. Pretty solid here. So you have a best voice performance i feel like i know what you're gonna say uh, and uh, it's obvious it's I, I obvious, it's isn't obvious. It? yeah uh it's obviously andy dick is boingo yeah no you're gonna say that no retract it is indeed patrick warburton as wolf w wolf yes some of the best writing some of the best jokes cracking jokes just and his, he just his, nails them every his time delivery for jokes is so on point and just yeah deadpan half the time exactly just, i don't think you can top it it's subtle but really just gets you i, I thought I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid. I would find most things hilarious as I was a kid, but I still find it hilarious now. Yeah, it definitely holds up. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all the jokes in this movie hold up. And it's not even in a way where it's like, oh, now I get that, that now I'm an adult. It's like, Probably just no, because I have such a dull just, sense of humor. It's just funny. Like, it's just, it's just perfect. All right, that's kind of it for acting. Uh, and, you know, in animated movies, there's not too much to talk about in direction, but there certainly is for writing. But, you know, that kind of encompasses into one thing. So, directing Corey Edwards, uh, anything you want to point out? So I don't think I can. I guess the only thing I I think that is pretty cool is you know all the touches he adds to make sure everything overlaps nicely. Like you'll be watching the story from one person's point of view, and not only are the little details and how they yeah. behave and tell the story different, but you can see the other characters. And then you can go to like a different point of view and see the things that were happening in the back. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. specifically, I remember Red Riding Hood's story. She's talking about how like the wolf was really intimidating, and then the wolf's like 
Red Riding Hood beats him up and stuff like that. So yeah. it just kind of like changes perspective. And by then perspective. from his point, he's just trying to he's just trying to talk to her. But yeah, everybody's like the hero in their own eyes, which is pretty funny. Yeah, new answers to like questions from previous stories. I just like how they all like kind of overlap and then converge at the same scene. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea, um, and it's probably executed probably to the best of its ability here, honestly. Uh, but I think the real thing, I mean, we, we'll mention specific examples, I guess, in the spore section, is is the writing in this movie, because, like, every joke is funny. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a single joke I don't laugh at. They're not, movie. like, they're not cheesy, like, in most other animated movies. They're just, like, straight to clever. They're just, yeah, they're just funny, like, funny jokes. I, I can't really, they're not, yeah. they're not trying too hard with it, they're just... Yeah, it's just, like, smart writing. Y- yeah. You're right, they don't, like, go... The classic animated route where they just make all the like gross jokes and stuff like that they know will get a laugh out of little kids like it's not like mature humor or anything like that it's mm-hmm. just like it's just solid all the way around you have to be an intellectual nine-year-old like myself to to, 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 to really truly to really just soak them in <laughs> yeah so honestly like as far as like comedy animation i can't think of a better written example than hoodwinked exactly i don't think i i can think of you know, like, all the Pixar movies are really solid. This is just so non-stop in terms of jokes and that they never get old. Just something, you know, when jokes are, like, this rapid fire, you're like, okay, yeah. I get it. But, like, this is... But they don't overdo it. It's just so perfect. Same. All right, well, I mean, again, writing is another one that's, you know, it is the kind of the subject we can expound upon the most for this movie because it's probably my favorite aspect of this movie. But, again, there's just too many jokes that, like, I just want to mention as we go scene by scene through the movie. So, you know hold on that for now so now we go into kind of all the technical aspects you know you got cinematography lighting all those things not that much you can really comment on in an animated movie i do notice though they like they animate some of the scenes in this movie as if it's being filmed on a handheld camera like i like the interrogation scenes like have like zooms that are used for comedic effect yeah 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 like i can only think of like a a handful of animated movies where like the camera is used for comedic effect the emperor's new groove is like a big one where there's a lot of sequences where things like progressively zoom out and the thing gets funnier again yeah surfs up surfs up that's a good example and i just feel like this one is also like that because there's like all this like hidden camera kind of authentic like fake camera shots that are really funny i think you know lighting's pretty standard there's a couple cool looking shots when you know things are happening in the shadows nothing too too big to touch upon what about what about the music there's like all these sounds that sound like or all these tracks that sound yeah. like they're real songs but they're actually just ones that were made for this movie yeah, to sound I like it. i think it's modern. right i think it's right for the just the mood of yeah. the theme but <laughs> every time like one of these songs come on they like perfectly fit the actions of the character <laughs> i know
There's like only one like true musical number when Red Riding Hood is on her bike, and even that, I, I didn't even mind that. So like, overall, what a solid score. It's not even like a score, like an orchestral thing. It's just like songs they made specifically for this movie. Small tunes, but they're like yeah, catchy. They're, yeah, and they're only used for like 10 seconds at a time, but they're pretty brilliant. Uh, I guess the last thing you can kind of touch upon is editing, and within that I would say animation quality. Uh, this movie was 2005. Animation hadn't progressed to the extremes it could have. But you do have to keep in mind that a lot of Pixar movies had come out by this point, obviously including Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., I believe Finding Nemo was already out, and all those movies look fantastic. So in terms of like animation quality, it's it's slightly below that. I don't think it's bad, but... It's definitely it's, not bad. It's, yeah, it's definitely a, a step below like yeah. Toy Story and Monsters, Inc., but it's still not bad, like yeah. some of these people are saying. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people fine. rip on it here, and I think it, it doesn't detract from the story at all, like the way some of these characters look. I think like all of them look pretty you know accurately cartoonish yeah they don't look too like especially I some of the characters that are like the animals and stuff or like the characters that are purposely like caricatures i think they look the best like the woodsman kirk twitchy the squirrel and all these characters that are animals just like look so perfect for how they behave and then editing there's not really much to say because you know it's just kind of standard i can't think of any like there, there are scenes where think where like someone would tell a joke and then they'll splice in like a flashback like really quickly that is just gives context to things yeah. they're talking about. We can talk about that later. I have one in mind, but those are always displayed for comedic effect that I think is kind of cool. All right, so that's kind of it for editing. Honestly, like I said, we pretty much flew through this spoiler-free section because there's not too much to say about a lot of these technical things. I mean, the writing's awesome. We'll, we'll encompass this all in the, uh, in the why you should watch it segment that rapidly approaches. But for now, it's time to look at the money of this movie, which usually I read off and have my co-host guess. So, Mason, you're going to have to... Try and basically guess the budget and then how much money this movie made, which is tough. I, I don't have a very good frame of reference what? with this. All right, so estimated budget. It's more than you think it's going to be. I was going to say, I don't know if I shoot like... I know you don't have probably it's, a great like, frame of reference with this, but... I don't. Like, what is it like? Is it like somewhere in the realm of like seven figures or on my way over? It's eight figures. <laughs> oh my God, why? <laughs> probably like 30, 35 million. Seventeen million five hundred thousand. So you were getting there. That's a lot. That's a lot of money That's for this lot. movie, especially when you look. Where like, did that come from? <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out is where it went, because like the animation Maybe. quality is slightly below again what you would think it's it like, would be. Uh, seriously, where did that go? Like, what was all that put into? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe for the cast. The yeah, cast is pretty paying, insane. Paying the actors, but possibly. But I mean, it didn't go into like the script or anything like that, because that doesn't. I don't know. I can't imagine where that went. All right. Uh, opening weekend, it made sixteen million dollars. So it almost made back its budget on the opening good. weekend. What was its cumulative worldwide gross? I don't know, maybe like 28, maybe? 28 million? Yeah. This movie made $110 million. Like a box office slam dunk from what they would expect, I would think. Like I, I bet you if you look at Pixar movies, they've made oh my God. multiplied more than this. That but like, way that's way more money than I would have expected this yeah, to me, make. Yeah, me too. I thought after opening weekend... Because I could have swore I saw this movie when it went like to DVD, and I feel like I remember that happening really fast. I have very limited memory of when this came out. But I like, don't think I saw this in the theater. I know I, I did think not. I just it was just on DVD. I feel like I just around. stumbled across it across I I, it at a I, store, I, I, and I, I was really like, "I don't know how I like, came upon this." How it's become such a cherished. My mom film. just like bought it or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, 
Both in budget and in gross, this movie has way more money wow, than I thought it I didn't would. see that one coming. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of it for box office, which means it's time to go into our overall capstone segment of the spoiler-free section. I guess not really. There's two more segments, but it's time to give Hoodwinked a rating. And usually, Mason, I know you haven't rate, you haven't done any. Uh, yeah, this is your first podcast where you're actually going through a movie. I just realized that uh-huh. last time you're on the trailers episode. Trailers. We pick out of ten, but we don't do stars. We pick an object or some sort of thing from the movie. For instance, when we did Thor Ragnarok, we picked hammers just because Thor has a hammer and stuff like that. Okay. Infinity War, we did Infinity Stones. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta think of a clever okay. object to use here. We got Snickerdoodles. We Amount got of horns. We got that, uh, horns. The goat has. I mean, there's too many here. We got Schnitzel. <laughs> Can't think of. I mean, there's just too many perfect ones to, to single uh, out. We got Dinamite, and I, I completely failed to mention that this is the spoiler-free section, which means most people listen to this without having watched the movie. So a lot of these references I just made did not make sense, but it's all right. I don't know. What do you want to go with? Just pick one. There's too many good ones to try and pick the quintessential one. I think we just gotta we just gotta go, go with horns. With, we'll go with horns. Horns. Horns is pretty solid, you know. In in a, in a movie with so many props from Snickerdoodles. To uh, schnitzel. yeah, to schnitzel, to cameras that wolf the wolf uses. I don't know. Like, there's too much stuff. So we'll go with horns. What would you give this movie out of ten horns? Maybe a quick rationale, although we'll go into the why you should watch it segment after this. Ah, uh, I gotta go nine point five horns. Nine point five horns. horns. That's a that's a really high that's up there. Well, for me, oh, I don't know. Are Maybe you? It's just... We haven't established to the podcast. So Grant does not give a lot of tens. Brady has given one ten in his entire life. I give tens when I think a movie really blows me away. Do you give tens a lot, or are you going to be very sparing with your tens? I won't be like handing them out to see a movie I really enjoy. Like I really enjoyed like the Dark Knight trilogy, but I didn't give any of them tens. Mm-hmm. I was nine at the highest. Yeah, for me, like a ten has to like blow me away. Exactly. Like I watched it's that movie, and I was like, "What like, in the world?" It's got to have me just like reflecting on it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, if it's a watch, movie I can think about I for a while, watch it again. Yeah. I'd, I'm going 9.5. And my 10s aren't even considered perfect. Like, I can always find a fault in some of my 10s. But you're going 9.5, going for the decimal. Grant and Mason trademark is the decimal. I stick to whole numbers, and I'm right up there with you. I'm going to give Hoodwinked a 9. I think this movie is really carried by the writing and voice acting. Like, Uh if if this movie was written... We're with you, Edwards Brothers. Yeah, if if this was any other writer or something like that, I feel like this movie could have gone down the drain really fast. Like, nobody would remember it. I think if it came out today, it would suck. But... It's it possible. came out. Do you mean if it came out like the ex- the exact same movie came out, or like if like it had just been a different cast and everything? Because the I feel like if they today. if it came out in like in relation to what goes on today, like this is As from two thousand five. So yeah. I feel like is, animated movies used to be a lot edgier too. <laughs> that, yeah. Honestly, like this is like they're just they just like most of them just suck nowadays. Like, yeah, just I, with like this. I can't think of a single animated movie that I've seen recently that wasn't Pixar that I enjoyed. This is one of like the earliest movies i can recall seeing and it's just like oh, i just enjoyed it from then but i don't think like kids nowadays would enjoy it because like yeah six-year-olds have iphones now so they'd be like <laughs> too caught up and, like there might be some segments they like like i feel like everybody can enjoy the singing goat i feel like everybody can enjoy some of these sequences mm-hmm. but you're right i feel like it might be lost i i think it already is kind of lost yeah, on just, I, I don't know anybody who's seen this movie except you uh, <laughs> so yeah i don't I don't. There's a few people I've asked, but they've been like, "Yeah, like yeah." Well, I just remember watching like, it with a bunch of my friends, and like when I was really little, like every time one of my specific friends would come over, we'd watch scenes from Hoodwinked. Yeah, because it's a great piece of film, and it's and, and it's not like I'm like overly nostalgic about it too. It just like 
it still holds up. Die. Yeah, it's just good. I can watch it now and enjoy it just as much. I like, think so. All right, so I am going to give it a nine. I mean, this movie is just fantastic. We haven't given very expansive rationale for like why we're grading this as much as just saying we mm-hmm. love it. But I think that's all we can say about this movie. It's yeah. not like it succeeds in all these technical elements. It's just funny and it's just like yeah, just, unique. Yeah, just, just like great. quickly, like this. I mean, the you watch this movie, you'll good. understand. Yeah. I like, I like how, um, I like how it goes from different point of views, like we said, and tells. And it doesn't get it old. Tells the same, doing that. Tells yeah. the same story from different points of views. Mm-hmm. Just and the and the comedic and comedic effect that. on it. I could see that multiple point of views Good. thing like being old. Like there's a movie called Vantage Point where they do that like six different times and it gets really old. Yeah. Whereas this is like it's yeah, fresh these, every time. Yeah, like brief. They're not too like dragged out. And it's not exactly the same scene. Each character follows their own yeah, plot line, yeah. but they like overlap. they overlap a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah just enough to work. So yeah. All right, so I think that's it for the rating out of horns. We got nine point five horns right. and. Uh, nine horns, which means basically we are prepared here. Absolutely prepared. All right, so now we go into the final section of the spoiler-free section, which is, of course, the why you should watch it segment, because whether a movie is fantastic or god-awful, there's always at least one reason you should watch it, whether it be what to do or what not to do. Mm-hmm. So what are kind of the highlights for why this movie should I just, be watched? Well, I just remember it as like a, it's a family-friendly movie, so That's you true. can watch it with your whole family. I think your whole family's going to enjoy it. Like I said, I like the jokes. The jokes aren't, they didn't try too hard with them. Mm-hmm. But they're still funny. They're just they're just kind of they're just good, you know. Yeah, they're just mild jokes. And they and they kind of revolve like some of them are clever, kind of you know witty things. Some are play on words. Some are pop culture references. There's a little yeah, bit of everything. They're just funny. And and those are especially funny because many of them are outdated now. The delivery is good on most of them. Yeah, definitely. especially by the especially by Wolf, Wolf. W Wolf. <laughs> yeah, he uh, kills it. I'd say for my reasons why you should watch this. I could give, you know, quite a few. I can kind of sum them all up into two things, though. If you want just, yeah, smart writing, like smartly written comedy, especially for an animated movie, I think this is a go-to. And, yeah, you like you said, it's family-friendly, but not in a way where it's like, oh, yeah, a parent could bear watching this movie. I feel like a parent could thoroughly enjoy this movie, exactly. honestly. Exactly. Like, this movie is just so, like, cleverly written. There's it, something for everyone. It just puts a, it just puts a funny spin on a hotel. Yeah. I mean, it just takes Red Riding true. Hood and just... Turns it not so dark and turns it into lighter yeah. and, and adds like all and these crazy characters. More enjoyable. Exactly. Adds German characters, yeah. woodshop characters. Yeah, but without killing the old storyline so much. That's true. I think yeah. So I, I think mine is encompassed by really good writing and really really awesome voice acting. Everybody kind of nails the part they have. Like I couldn't imagine really anyone else playing some of these roles. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I think those are two things. And you know, it's like you said, it's a pretty interesting plotline even though it sounds simple for ne- for right now it's compelling the way that all these overlap and then there is kind of a, a semi-plot twist that you can figure out if you're paying attention but uh you know it, it is a is a good little you know tie up to the end of the movie so i think those i think those are the big reasons voice acting and writing for me yeah it's just it's just an overall good time yeah like it's just such a good time i can't really put it into words all right so that's about it for the spoiler free section uh we we told you why you should watch this movie we gave it our scores we went through all the technical elements of hoodwinked and i think we're 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 pretty much wrapping up this segment and we'll move into the spoiler full section so fair warning uh if you don't want to have this 2005 animated movie ruined for you which uh and if it is it's your fault if if you haven't seen it you've had 13 years i i said at the big short episode you should probably just listen to the spoiler full section because it is a true story so you probably already know most of the stuff anyway this is one that i forbid you from listening to the spoiler full section 
you I must mean, know. It's on Netflix. Take an hour and twenty minutes out of your day. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's you will fly not unbearably movie. long. No, it is not. And you won't even check your watch in this movie. It just it's so just like non stop. You'll be sad that it's over. <laughs> uh, and and you'll be and don't you'll don't, be blown away when you find out there's a hoodwink two. Don't look to hoodwink two but for maybe, comfort. Maybe it's not look away. Help. <laughs> maybe look away from hoodwink two. Which yeah, we should probably just mention right now. Hoodwink two nowhere near as good. Has Awful. some has some redeeming qualities, but I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't get there for me. I, I mean, it's the same voice actor, so yeah, it's really yeah, the writing that fails in that one. I don't even know if it's the same director. Yeah. So that's something I should. They're look like into. working together in this one. That's just. It's just, it's just a complete opposite. Yeah. It's in the city. Uh, yeah, that's something we didn't mention too much for the voice acting, but I think something that's really good is the ensemble effect here. It's pretty awesome like how some of the lines bounce off all these characters who have very different personalities. All right, so that's it for the Spore Free section. So thank you for listening to Cinestudy, and if you're still listening, welcome to the spoiler section. The following audio will contain countless spoilers and discussions of significant character arcs and plot points. You've been warned. Don't ruin the movie for yourself. Unless, of course, do you want to? Cinestudy is not liable. One other unfortunate disclaimer, there is quite a bit of wind noise in this spoiler full section, likely from a nearby fan. We truly apologize for this obnoxious interference, and hope you can bear with it for the rest of the show. If not, we understand completely, and thank you for listening so far. It's not a great spoiler full section anyway. We kind of just imitate jokes the whole time. With that being said, on with the show. Alright, welcome to the spoiler full section of Hoodwinked, and I want to put it out there now that this is probably just going to be us imitating half the stuff, and kind of like me and Grant did with the first two Marvel episodes where we just kind of geeked out and didn't really analyze it. I have a feeling that's going to happen here because there's not too much to analyze about significant themes and character arcs and stuff like that as much as there is has been in like well really none of the episodes I've done have had like character arcs because I've been saving some of the movies I really want to analyze for when we really have this show flow down but nonetheless it's probably just going to be us imitating stuff so if you've seen this movie you can relive some of its glory in a uh, in a slightly lesser quality way of us imitating it. Alright so the movie opens we see the book that this movie basically takes place in where it's uh it's basically the story of Red Riding Hood with like this illustration on the front and stuff. Our our frog narrator, Flippers. Flippers comes over the thing he's saying like if you really want to know the true story, you have to you look have through to the pages, look right? The pages. Yeah, and then you know you go zooming through this cardboard pop up book thing, and we get to the opening scene, which it basically establishes the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the the event that each plot line leads back to, and this is the first time you're seeing. Yeah, it's it. the middle where they yeah they all meet together. You're not really seeing this out of one character's perspective, are you? This is like the yeah, objective. It's, 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 yeah. This is like this is like the actual true story, whereas yeah. everybody else's is slightly slightly altered. But anyway, Red Riding Hood walks in, uh, and we have the classic big bad wolf imitating grandma, literally wearing a, a cardboard mask <laughs> of, of the grandma. <laughs> we have the. We have the classic comments from the wolf. Uh, you know, this just this establishes the whole tone of the movie. What big ears you have! Like, and then all the better to hear the many criticisms. What big know? eyes you have! <laughs> I think like. Uh, Are we just gonna sit around here and talk about how big I'm getting? <laughs> I mean, this seems so perfect because it's like so obviously mocking the true story in a way where you're like, it's so obvious what's going on when he holds up his hands and it's just like big wolf mitts and stuff like that. She, so. She's shockingly naive to the fact that this is not her grandma. Yeah. And it's clearly a, a hairy wolf. 
and uh, basically the wolf, you know, snaps after she keeps critiquing him, and uh, she knows it's him, apparently recognizes him. He starts chasing her around with, like, a, a bar, like a bar, she grabs, like, an a, iron. like, a fireplace, like, yeah, uh, one poker. of those prodders, yeah, yeah. and uh, starts chasing her around. Out of nowhere, the grandma jumps out of the closet, uh, tied up, completely tied up in, like, purple and yellow string. Gagged. Yeah, gagged. They're freaking out, uh, and then... <laughs> out of... <laughs> The climax of the out scene. of left field. You don't even <laughs> expect this. Just through the window comes our old pal Kirk the Woodsman, swinging his axe like a madman, starts screaming. Granny! It's me, Red! Is everything okay? I did shipping, Colin. What? Who are you? I'm your grandma. Your face looks really weird, Granny. I've been sick, I... Uh, your mouth doesn't move when you talk. Uh, plastic surgery. Grandma's had a little work done. Now, come on over here. Let's have a look at you. So, what's going on, Grandma? Oh, this and that. Doing a lot of quilting, so... You got the loot. Whoa. What big hands you have. Oh, all the better to scratch my back with. And what big ears you have. All the better to hear your many criticisms. Old people just have big ears, dear. And Granny, what big eyes you have. Are we just gonna sit around here and talk about how big I'm getting? You came here for a reason, didn't you? So tell old Granny what you got in the basket. Ah, oh, Granny, what bad breath you have. All right. Ah! You again? What do I have to do, get a restraining order? Settle down, little girl, I'm on to you. <laughs> Save it, red foo. You've been dodging me all day, but now you might as well give up. You crazy wolf. What have you done with Granny? I'm taking Granny down, and you're next. Granny! But you, that's a I just remember when I first watched this scene, like, I would hysterically laugh, no matter, like, how many times I had seen the movie. So ridiculous. Just doesn't. You're like, all right, how are they gonna tie this into the? Mix? Yeah, I think they just uh, they were they were in here brainstorming ideas and then like, and then someone was like, how are, yeah, we, gonna, we, have, how are we gonna tie all these together? <laughs> like, we'll worry like, about well, that. I don't know. It'll happen. We gotta have the woodsman flying through the window. All right, and then we basically cut to uh, now that the whole house is a crime scene at night. Uh, some police officers contain the crowd. Title flashes over uh, and Chief Grizzly and uh, what's the the Stork's name? Isn't he just like Detective Stork? Something like that. We'll just call him Stork, the Detective Stork for now. They come in, and all four suspects are basically sitting on a couch. I can't remember much of the dialogue from this. You know, we'll just kind of throw out our highlights. I'm not going to try and listen to the entire movie as we do this to remember where the highlight jokes are. But, you know, we we digress. So, they're critiquing them, and in comes uh, good old Detective Flippers. Or no. Is he, is he Detective? No, no, no. I don't think he comes until... No, he's, he's in. Oh, he does? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like they're like, the chief... Really quickly lays down the law, but then the detective comes in with what his little his dog. His name's like Kenny. F- Flippers. Yeah, it is like Kenny. No, I, I think Flippers is like his like stage name. Well, right? yeah, because he has the. Is Flippers his his stage name? Something. Nikki. Nikki Flippers. Nikki Flippers. Yeah, so his name is Nikki Flippers. He's like this suave detective character. Uh, basically, kind of ties the whole story around him. Like you know, he kind of pieces everything together. Uh, really quick, like I was saying earlier in the Spar Free section, they have stuff where they allude to something and then they show a flashback to it. In this case, 
when Nikki Flippers was a disco dancer. Solid little uh, interlude there. Go Flippers. Go Flippers. The wolf gets a muzzle put on him and continues to be shocked by the, the three pig policemen. Uh, and then they bring in Red Riding Hood for the first like interrogation. Uh, the pages of the book that you were in now flip back open. And Red sets out to deliver some goodies to her grandma who's up in the mountains from some other house. It's like from the bakery or something. Yeah. Uh, and we have our first musical number of the, of the film. Really our only like musical number, not just a song. Yeah. Where she's singing about how like it's the, the the great forest or something like that. I can't remember the exact story. I know. Yeah, she's talking about how she wants to leave the woods though, like that there's so much more out there. Uh huh. She's trapped, you know that take, classic take character. Take me out of the woods. Take me out of the woods. Take me Should have been nominated for best so- best song at the Oscars, but you know. Fair enough. Not my. That's that's uh, it's out of my field of business. Here's a story. I hope you'll like. It's the one about the girl riding on her bike. I know it's a tired old tale, but it still rings true. She could never be rude or unkind. But a sad song played at the back of her mind. Oh, can someone show me a different day to take me away? We also see that the stories start to overlap because we see Kirk the Woodsman yeah, like slowly sulking away yeah. from, the, <laughs> from his soon to find out audition audition that he didn't get for uh, if you're like not knowing that these characters exist like you probably you probably not realize like these scenes are even overlapping until you watch this the second time we also have some like porcupines that are singing on a tree and one of them falls I don't know why I have a distinct memory of that scene but it does happen and then you're right we meet Boingo Boingo. And they're just, they're just it's kind of expository Boingo. talk with Boingo about how he works for the Muffin Man. Things aren't going too yeah. well. Someone's going around the forest stealing recipes, I think, is established here. Yeah, you're originally supposed to think that Boingo is just some innocent rabbit. Yes. Come to find, find out. out. <laughs> Foreshadowing. It's not true. Uh, yeah, and he takes, like, the carrot cake. I love how at the end of every Boingo scene, he, like, Gives this menacing stare. Yeah, some, like, the creepy look. Oh and you God. never notice it until the second time you watch it. Me. Especially after the cable car sequence. Oh my God, it's so scary. Dude. His eyes are so like dark. And... Mm-hmm. Then Red Riding Hood phones her grandma. I forget what she's saying. Maybe like that she's gonna deliver the goodies or whatever. And that yeah. and you and don't she's, <laughs> yeah you don't notice, but the grandma looks completely normal because you just see a like a image of her ah. overlaid on the phone call. Uh, and this is another thing where it's like a, a cool overlap where you just look at her and she's just wearing like this vest and stuff and then you know we'll tackle this when it comes around full circle but anyway uh, red meets like some bird and the bird's talking to her about how she wants to go you know far far away from the woods she drops the magazine onto some yeah, guy's the, car the, the <laughs> magazine called far away places yeah far away places it drops, drops on the guy's car and he crashes into a tree yeah, can't see, driving blind. Uh, and then we get the idea of the goodie bandit because Red comes back to her shop and there's a stone right through the, the window. 
that says you're next. And the, it's one of the more darker parts of the movie yeah, that actually yeah, yeah. really scared me when I was The a bird kid. has like this really strange nasally voice. I don't know why what? I have an imprint in that, what? in my Man, mind of that. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. She looks in the, the vault where the recipe book is and decides she's going to take it into her own hands to take this, I guess, to the grandma. Uh-huh. She puts some, some carrot cakes over it. You gotta create your for own For app disguise. Yeah, gotta create, yeah, exactly. Come back to the, uh... The interview, and this is supposed to be some, like, grand scene where she, like, has finally made her big move of not just staying around the woods. She's taking the cable car up to the mountains. I think we got another another song here. Is this Critters Have Feelings, or is that later on? Critters Have Feelings. Uh, I don't think so. That's either here, or it is when the, the skiing tournament is introduced. No, because that's, like, the heavy metal one with the yeah. band that's on the stage. Yeah. Critters Have Feelings. <laughs> we then Banger. Get, we get Critters Have Feelings. Possibly the best song in this film. She takes the cable car with none other than Boingo, who, uh, Boingo. you know, he's, he's a hard-working bunny. Scumbag. He's, he's working two jobs because, you know, he's pulling himself up by the bootstraps, you know. And so he's operating the cable car. She talks about how, like, you know, you got to be skeptical because there's a goodie bandit on the loose. She's going to deliver the recipes. Fatal mistake. Uh, as she continues to hold her basket and the door just, you know, conveniently opens as she plummets into the forest. And Boingo, again, with a menacing stare as she falls. cars aren't very safe. No, not when he can just open the door. Uh, she falls on these giant leaves. Yeah, she falls woods. from, like, like at least 100 feet. And but her fall is apparently broken by hitting branches. Yeah, and the and basket falls with her. Lightly, yeah, the basket just... Lands perfectly next to her. As if landing on a branch wouldn't snap your back. <laughs> yeah, we snapped the branch. And it's like, uh... Cool lighting, actually, as they land in the woods. Like, I feel like all the stuff that's done in this sequence kind of looks cool with some of the sunlight shining through. Uh, we get some eyes coming through the bushes. Uh-huh. Uh, also scary. Didn't like that part when I was Yeah, it's like creepy. And a growl. Uh, big growl. Again, a lot of these things are going to come full circle in the next couple side plots. Wolf is introduced. Oh, I, yeah. I, this Here's has, where it gets This good. has some of the best dialogue, so I'm not even going to try to recreate it or remember some of it. Here's a clip right now of the wolf. Afternoon. Hello. So, you're the little girl in the red hood. That was quite a bit of following you did just now. Oh, you saw that. Yeah, gravity's working. Those old cable cars on there. She read a letter. Wow, something smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there? I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. No, you shouldn't. Good call. So what are you doing way out here in the big bad forest? You taking the goodies to someone in particular? Um... Granny. Granny. Granny Pocket, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies. Shortbread chocolate icing between very... It's good. Uh, it's very good. You make deliveries to your granny often? I don't think I should tell you that. Oh, you don't have anything else in that basket? You ask a lot of questions, mister. Well, I'm a curious guy. Let me have a look. Uh, beautiful wolf clip right there. Probably the best character in this movie. When I was younger, I didn't have an appreciation for the wolf. I was always like a twitchy guy, or I was a Japheth the goat guy. Yeah, I was always a guy for these minor random supporting roles. But now I have full appreciation for the the pure comedic genius of Wolf W. Wolf. Anyway, uh, the wolf seems to be scheming to get the goodies. He's like, uh, talking about how Grandma's got this little, uh, shortbread... Chocolate chip. Red chocolate double. It's good. It's good. It's really <laughs> it's, good. It's real good. Uh, and basically, you know, 
things happen. He gets mad, and then he roars at her. Come to find out this is uh, an accident that occurs later. She goes running off. He uh, corners her at one point, and so she uses, you know, she as everyone does. Him. Some wolf <laughs> Basically takes him down. But he just shakes it off. Yeah, a great, great moment here with the, uh, the, the creepy guy. Like, he says, we can't arrest the wolf for being creepy. Pig go, a pig off to the side is like, hey, whoever is co-worker. He's like, hey, you know the guy in the tank? The creepy one? Yeah, better yeah, go. Better go. Uh, then we continue with Red Riding Hood's interview, which I failed to mention that was what that was. And she was, you know, since she fell out of the cable car, what better way to get to the top Jeez. of the mountain than taking a trail? Yeah. And she stumbles across a little shack on the top of the mountain. Oh, yeah. My favorite sequence as a young child. Keep in mind, we're only 15 minutes in. This movie is moving right now. Like, yeah, so many great moments, and we're got. 15 minutes in. Anyway, we meet Japheth, who's apparently been cursed by a witch, and has to sing everything I said. Everything he's... Now I've got to sing everything I say. Now I've got to sing everything I say. Everything? everything. That's right. You just talked! Did I? Did I? Did I? Did I? Did I? Did I? Uh, Japheth, an expertly constructed character. I like how his rocking chair is his horns. Like, yeah. it's just pure genius. Uh, as he then goes to our other musical number that's actually explicitly sung by a character. Actually, there's three, because Bolingo sings one at the end. But, uh, Red tries to call the granny again, and she seems a little bit off this time. She's got this white background, you don't know where she is, and she starts screaming. Uh, Red gets hung up on, she finds this map as the goat starts singing. Uh, basically a song about how he's always prepared. I don't know how this even comes around. Like, she must set him up with some line about being prepared. But then he just goes into it. He's got horns that open bottles. He's got horns that hold his keys. Bottles up, got horns that hold my keys. You know he's got horns that when you turn them right? Help me watch TV. He's got horns that open pickle jars and horns that come with hair. And, uh, I think he says, as a tired old mountain goat, I always come prepared. Something like that. I like his. Uh, I like the one time where he has a horn that looks like it's a unicorn horn. He turns it's a mohawk horn. Oh yeah, that's a classic. Uh, she finds a map that has basically every place in the forest. She wants to get back to Puckett Grove. I guess is where the bakery is. Uh, apparently, there's a location on there called Sam Hill. You know, common phrase is what in the name of Sam's Hill or Sam Hill, not Sam's Hill. Uh, as she continues to be sung to. Gets dropped through a trap door because Japheth is going to take her there on the mines that she was just looking at the map to. Uh, and he continues to sing as they get in this mine car and go on, like, basically the Polar Express, like, copied this straight out of here, you know? You know the scene in the Polar Express where they go plunging? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's literally this scene. So they go flying around this, this mine train track. An avalanche starts coming down. I like how the goat, like, starts Ooh, singing. Oh, an avalanche, avalanche is coming down. I do not, do not feel prepared. Uh... They start flying. The track is apparently broken. They go flying off out of the cart. Uh, Granny is levitating in the air. Uh, well, this also comes you think full it's, circle. You think it's a, uh, like, a, like a mirage, but... Yeah, it seems like a Star Wars reference real. to like Obi-Wan Kenobi telling Luke to use the use Force. Use the hood, red. <laughs> and uh, so she uses the hood as a parachute. Uh, the goat has helicopter horns, so he survives. Everything's a-okay. As we, I was prepared. As we come to a close of the Red Riding Hood plotline, as she lands at her front door, and basically the scene with the wolf there plays out. Although she breaks the fourth wall here, where like the woodsman comes in and, and she's like, and the woodsman was screaming. He's like, ah, <laughs> like a maniac. <laughs> now our plotline changes to Wolf W. Wolf exchanges glares with Red Riding Hood as they enter the uh, as he enters the dining room. Great scene here of just pure comedic. 
genius that the wolf is actually a shepherd and you know all these great scenes and then wolf's story starts nikki points out that he's a reporter and basically we cut to a montage of the wolf being a reporter which he wears yeah. like an afro well, at a basketball game. he's like playing basketball and then like he goes up to the coffee bar his name is rick shaw rick, he's talking rick, to uh, rick shaw he's talking to the guy who wears the animal suit now like coffee burns something like that he's i don't definitely know definitely depressed i can't we can't even like i can't even continue to point out specific moments of comedy in this movie because there's too many but wolf w wolf you know talks to him we see red riding hood go riding by as wolf's in the background and he's like something's up with that girl so he gets twitchy and i think he's just gonna like start following her is that how it goes like he just wants to start tailing her for some reason i guess so so wolf's rationale for the I entire thing, <laughs> for the entire thing is she seemed happy as she goes by on her bike singing a little too happy so he talks into his tape recorder a common trope he does for the rest of the movie the soundtrack is still as perfect it's like this weird like it's it, it's like reminds me of all these like 80s private investigator movies <laughs> it's like completely mocking that and he decides he's gonna start flying her he's got his partner in crime twitchy who's kind of the like the camera guy who's like way too hyped up has like this stupid smile on his face all the time it's just ridiculously crazy a character you would see in a lot of you know there's always this character in animated movies so but he's solid here. And they basically need a tip on, you know, where Red's going, what's going on, does she have goodies, so they go to none other than uh, Woolworth the Sheep. Who's, uh, Woolworth. He's basically this Italian mafia Guido. sheep. Yeah, slick back hair, gold chain. Yeah, and he, he like, makes all these stupid, like, classic mafia name. marks, and Wolf has to slip him a couple of bills as he disguises himself as a sheep. Just a classic scene of dialogue here, too, man. I don't think you can top it. Uh, but basically gets a tip of where Red's going, which is obviously to the grandma's house. So he sets back off on his quest. This is where he brings out this like sonar listening device thing. Yeah. Picks up on some weird caterpillar com- conversations. Should about... I call her? Do <laughs> I play it cool? I, uh... Do you mind? Uh, oh, sorry. Twitchy is supposed to be loading re- film reel into a camera. He takes a picture of how Red is about to fall out of the cable car. Takes pictures of her falling. Takes pictures of pretty much everything. Twitchy's a solid cameraman here. And then swallows the whole camera. Yeah, accidentally swallows the camera after getting the film reel, like, caught in his tail and stuff. Either way, he disappears, like, behind a bush. Uh, Red comes down, and Wolf basically, you know, the same scene of dialogue we saw earlier plays out as uh, we are there at Twitchy's perspective. Uh, Twitchy basically, yeah, he's, he's rolling the film reel. This is where it all happens behind the scenes as the exact moments of dialogue we heard earlier play out. And that's basically how the wolf's, like, roaring at Red is explained, like he didn't mean to. Uh, and then, <laughs> this is one of the stupider moments in this movie, where he, she starts running away, and he, he gets a cab to, to chase after her, and the cab, like, goes past her, and has to, like, yeah, he's just, whoa, back. right here's good. Whoa, you passed her. <laughs> so they're, like, flying in this cab, he gets out. Another one of these cutbacks where we find out, like, Red is, like, skillfully trained in karate with, like, a poster from her childhood. And then she just basically destroys the wolf, like, absolutely wrecks this poor guy in, yeah. a, in a fit of karate combos. He's chasing after her. She pulls some, like, slick deception here, like, some high-grade deception. Oh, yeah, she hangs her hood on the birds and has the birds fly away. And then yeah. the wolf just it's like goes off a cliff, fail. stays in the midair for a little while, and the, then the classic looks down, and then... Then he's gone. Not cool. <laughs> Not cool. The music there, again, it's like this weird, like, 80s... I feel like it would be used in, like, an 80s detective or private investigator show half the time. No. He falls into the river. We get the fisherman scene. That's for Just sure. This random character in the movie. They get out of the river, and who do we meet but the conniving little imbecile Bingo. Boingo. Boingo. Boingo, not Bingo. <laughs> That's a Bingo. Uh, he, <laughs> he gets out of the water. 
And Bongo's like, oh yeah, I just so happened to know a shortcut to, to Grandma Puckett's. Uh, and it's written on an Easter egg, <laughs> uh, which you don't see yet. Easter but egg. Instead of following the river, uh, Twitchy is a little skeptical, by the way, but they go into this cave. Uh, moral of the story is never trust a bunny. Never trust a bunny. There's some weird eyes, and you know he's like, this would have been easier if the directions weren't written on an Easter egg. They run away from where this monster in the cave is, climb up this ladder they find into the patch of sunlight, head comes up and they're in the middle of a mine track, the exact mine track that Red Riding Hood was on earlier, almost get mowed down by a cart, and instead use some like parkour to get into the next cart. They get into a cave after hearing some, some snow rumbles, uh, come to find out that they're in front of Red Riding Hood, like actually simultaneously, they're like, maybe like, you can you know, see her pass by. You can, you can see them pass, actually during Red Riding Hood, we failed to mention, you can see the wolf pass by at one point as well. You see them pass from from the perspectives of each of those carts, which is pretty cool. Again, they hear this rumbling, Old Man Mountain, just showing us who's boss. Uh, and Twitchy finds some dynamite. Sorry, some candles. Some Italian candles. Because uh, they go into a cave. Must be Italian. So he lights them up. Uh, Wolf realizes it immediately. He's like, okay, ditch the candles, and they start throwing them out. Uh, although, accidentally, Twitchy lights all of them, and like, this is such a visually just like funny moment as like the one falls onto the floor and they all just like spark immediately <laughs> and he starts like flinging them out behind his head. Mm. Come on. Living like a bandit. Now this is a shortcut. Well, Twitchy, that's natural. It's just Old Man Mountain showing us who's boss. Hey, looky, looky, I found these box of candles. I'll be boss. Box of candles? Light them up. Wow, that's nice and bright. What kind of candles are those? <sighs> Bean of meat Oh, must be Italian. Ah, close the candle. Or something mm? hmm come on let's get to granny's nonetheless the track explodes explaining why red riding hood and uh the goat and the goat chapeth go flying into the air at the end of their minecart voyage we actually see them fly over the wolf's head uh and then they're like all right we're just following the easter egg at this point they go back to red's house or i guess it's granny's house there's like multiple granny locations because think about it he's, she's going to deliver up to the mountain she's delivering from her house to grandma's house, and then they also have a bakery. So isn't there like four different places that, I don't like know. four houses in the woods. Yeah. Like we're animals. I don't know, but this is the house where everything eventually, you know, concludes to. So either way, the wolf sneaks in, and they're like, you know, what better scheme than to dress up as the grandma who has her granny pocket bakery merch uh, in the in the closet. Merch plug. Yeah, dude, I would buy some granny pocket merch. That is something I would proudly wear. So he slips on a mask. Uh, I don't know, like, Red talks about how she wasn't buying it, I think, when they cut back to the interview. It's pretty obvious she was from the original scene that was objective. Wolf also has no role in tying up the grandma. That should be carefully noted, so nobody knows who's done that yet. We're going to know soon, though. That's another line, classic line, where uh, Wolf W. Wolf says, What can I say? I was raised by wolves. Just, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek. And we see, again, one of these flashbacks where it's his family portrait. 
looks oddly like Scooby-Doo in that picture. Uh, we, we figure out that Twitchy does not drink coffee. I feel like we knew that earlier. All right, and so begins uh, Kirk the Woodsman's story. Right out of the gate, hits his head as he walks in, just like character established immediately. Can barely sit at the table. He establishes that he's, in fact, an actor. And uh, he's talking about how the greatest thing that's ever happened to him has happened. He got a callback. Uh, and he basically auditions for the Geico Lizard. Uh, <laughs> and he's like more authentic as himself than an actor, where he's like, Paul Bunyan's Bunyan Cream is the soothing formula to make those bunions head for the heels. And he's like really stiff and unfortunately awkward. Uh, the director is kind of like, you know, buddy, I need you, I need more out of you. Like, try me, like, what's well, a fire in your belly, Steven? Yeah, and he's like, starts acting more like a pirate. He's like, I need an R. He's like, R. So, you know, he's not doing too hot. Basically gets booted out of the audition. Seems like no hope is left, which is why we see him sulking away as Red Riding Hood comes in the background. To his day job as a yeah, to his day truck job as a snitzel driver. truck driver. Uh, another musical number as he basically parades around the woods doing the one thing he loves, giving schnitzel to the children. Which sounds bad. It's not. It's not. He's a very innocent schnitzel salesman. As they put their schnitzel, there's this one kid that's like disgusting and puts it in his nose. Like, ugh, how dare you treat schnitzel that way. And then it like stops out of nowhere, like classic record screech moment, as we find that the schnitzel truck has had its wheels removed, basically been completely robbed. By the bandit. And then conveniently, Boingo strolls up like, oh no, you've been hit by the goody bandit? I'm so sorry about that. But then, guess what? Probably the most uplifting point of this movie, Kirk gets a call back, and he starts celebrating, but first... The guy's like, I need you to go out and be authentic. Like, go try and be a real woodsman for a day. Because keep in mind, he's actually not a woodsman. He's literally just a schnitzel salesman, even though it's implied that he's a woodsman. So he has to learn how to do it. He starts chopping down these trees. At first, he's terrible. He's, like, using the the wrong end of the axe. But then by the end, he's, like, swinging his axe and, like, chopping down trees in one full swoop. And then, yeah, yeah. He gets to the big one where he's completely hollowed it out, except for it's, like, holding on by, like, one toothpick shred of, of tree. Uh, and eventually, you know, after his hard work and he's dying... It well, falls. Well, he hears a commotion. Oh, yeah, he in, does. In the pucket house. Yeah, he's and right near the pucket house. He turns around, and while he's turned around, the tree snaps. The tree snaps, somehow turns parallel. He gets on top of it, and he's, like, running on it like this like this is Wipeout or something. Uh, and that's how he gets... Basically, the, the tree sandwiches against two other trees. He goes flying off of the rolling tree, sails through the window with his axe, and just starts screaming because, you know, what just happened to him. And we're back to square one. Which means there's only one story really left to tell. Uh, Flipper just kind of interrupts the moment, like in a freeze frame. He's like questioning stuff. Nothing too crazy, but there's like, we're, there's one person we haven't heard from. That's Granny Pocket. Granny Pocket. We uh, have a pig who's eating the evidence. Classic line there. And, and Red gets a little upset as it's clear that Granny has been keeping an important secret from Red. Uh, basically, the stork opens up a closet and finds that Granny lives an ultra life for... She was, never, she was never one for the, uh, what is it, the, the knitting bees and the yeah and playing bridge or something like that. She always lived for the extreme. She's got a tattoo of three Gs on her neck. Uh, her closet is filled with extreme sports medals. And then we see the best montage in the history of montages of Granny, like, mountain climbing and skiing and parachute jumping. And, uh, that's where we get the full circle of Granny on the phone with Red the first time. She wasn't knitting like it looked like in the frame. She was actually holding some ski poles. We then cut to uh, the ski festival, basically Creatures of Habit, headlining band. Second favorite character, Polar Bear. The Polar Bear. Not I polar. think that's solid. That's a solid choice. Basically, yeah, Triple G has her uh, 
her lineup of ski mates. About to go on this race. She made snickerdoodles for the boys as you do on race day. I'd rather live life to the extreme. Yeah, so what's the dizzle, Grizzle? You ready to floss that hill player? Full shizzle. Yeah, yeah, give me some luck. Give me some luck. Oh, I almost forgot. I made your kids some snickerdoodles. Yo, Tight. I... Oh, yeah, give me one of those. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Give it up. Zickety -doo. So now what better way to get free ganned than some snickerdoodles? Uh, they start talking about the competition who's like this, like, Swiss team. Where, does they, where do they say they're from? Austria? They use really obnoxiously stereotypical skier language about flossing the slopes and like all this stuff that doesn't make any sense. They start checking out the European competition, apparently put some people in the hospital. They're all really like stereotypical German, like really intimidating looking guys. Uh, Boingo comes up asking for an autograph from uh, from Triple G. She signs it to uh, her biggest fan, Boingo. Boingo has just been in every story so far, which Flipper Flippers explicitly points out later on. Strange, isn't it? The race begins with deafening silence as everybody gets prepped at the line. What's the guy's name? Uh, Dolph starts talking to uh, Granny. I forget what he says. He has the weirdest haircut ever, where like it looks like a crown that like dips in on the middle. <laughs> like Sheen from Jimmy Neutron. It does look like Sheen from Jimmy Neutron. Anyway, the race begins. Polar Bear basically faces off with uh, with Dolph. Gets pretty nasty pretty early on. Red calls Granny, and that's why we see she was screaming the second time she was on the phone with Red. Because she's hitting the slopes. Because she's shredding our. She's shredding our. All of her teammates are getting destroyed by the Europeans, who are unlawfully using snowballs. Basically combatant uh, weapons in this race. Triple G doing some sick moves to block all these snowballs. She's like doing 360s, like barrel rolls, and throwing snowballs back the other way in like slow motion. Brilliant. Then basically it comes down, everybody's wiping out, basically comes down to Triple G versus Dolph. They both are like arm in arm, spinning around. Dolph gets the upper hand and is holding Granny over a cliff uh, and drops her. And, and uh, we find Granny was actually like, she like hung onto this thing with like a bungee jump. Uh, she says hello to the fisherman. Like, she like plunges down to him and then like flies back up. She uses some nifty rock climbing to get back up to the top. Uh, and then she's like, what's the quickest way down? So she, doesn't she stage the avalanche? She like plants down. Yeah, she like throws like grenades. I don't know where got she got it. it. But she starts the avalanche that was in both the Wolf and Red Riding Hood story. And skis past, or snowboards past it, uh, grabs the trophy as she goes in like a nice freeze frame. Goes flying off the mountain with her parachute. And that's why we see she was in the clouds when Red Riding Hood was flying with the minecart, uh, telling her to use the hood. She lands in the chimney of her own house, gets out of the chimney, and the parachute gets all tied in the fan. She gets, like, ripped around, like... That's how she gets tied up? Yeah. She gets all tied up, ripped around, yeah, and she gets stuck in the closet where, uh... What if Twitchy is... Oh, yeah, Twitchy gets thrown in the closet later on. <laughs> uh, because Wolf comes into the house while Grandma's tied up in the closet. You hear them talking. 
Twitchy for some reason goes in the closet. Yeah, I don't remember why. But no, he gets thrown in there. Yeah, I guess I guess Wolf throws. Oh, Wolf throws her in him in there when Red arrives. So Twitchy's in there. They're all freaking out, and because of that freak out between Granny and Twitchy, as Wolf talks to Red, Granny breaks out of the closet, which we saw in all of the side stories. One more shot of Granny's display of awards when Red gets really obnoxiously angry, like for no reason. She's like, I thought puppets don't keep secrets. Like, she's like really strangely offended by all this. In the real world, Red. Yeah, it's like, what's the big deal? Your granny skis. Like, who cares? So she gets all depressed. We get Red is Blue, a really emotional musical number in this film. Really just touches you straight to the heart as she drops her red coat and goes into the pitch blue night. Reflects on her life. Doesn't make as like some sense, but red. red flowers turn into blue flowers. It's just so symbolic and emotional. We see some flashbacks of Granny Puckett giving the Puckett legacy to Red, and like uh, at one point, Red stumbles across like Battle of the Iron Grid Cage or something like that, and like flashbacks of Battle Granny being of the arrested. Iron Cage yeah. Gladiator. Yeah, that's what it is. Doesn't pick up on it. We go back to the interview, and everybody's like sleeping. We get this like first-person perspective of someone breaking into the house. Yeah, I never picked up on this the first time I watched this. Like. But somebody comes in and steals the While they're goodies. all sitting yeah. there, no one even notices. Because there's the interview in the dining room, and the pig who's supposed to be watching the evidence is asleep. So the evidence is stolen, and we don't know by who. Some sort of hooded figure goes running out. But Nicky Flipper has an idea. Because he's like, it's not any one of you. But there's someone who's hippity-hopped his way through every one of your stories. And I'm sure, listener, if you are for some reason listening to this, and could somehow follow along as we haven't done a great job of explaining this plot... You might have figured out that Boingo is, in fact, the goody bandit who's been sacking this whole place and basically ruining the lives of innocent people in the forest. The grizzly's freaking out. The stork's freaking out. Wolf's freaking out. Granny's freaking out. They don't know where Red went. What's funny is apparently Wolf or Boingo stole the red hood. We get the reveal of like his ears pop out of the hood at the cable car. Also scary. With his basket in hand. Yeah, there's like lightning striking. We see like all the, the flashbacks to when Boingo is giving his menacing stares as he like invaded people's homes and stuff like that my favorite one is when grain is giving him the autograph and on the back of the paper it says my evil plan yeah it's like a checklist so they set off to go find him uh and you know twitchy and everybody they're conspiring we see that kirk's truck has been stolen going up to the mountain so it's they get into some like like bulldozer <laughs> like he's playing like this heavy metal yodeling music and so they're like there's no way we can catch that twitchy could maybe catch that uh, and then Wolf gets an idea. Why don't we give Twitchy some coffee? I'm going to play the scene where Twitchy just freaks out. You might want because to stand He's like, yeah, baby. And he starts like freaking out. Yeah, you might want to stand back. Twitchy flies away, chasing after the truck, as everybody else basically is planning what to do. We've got to follow them, boys. Red's up there. I know it. Twitchy, get down the mountain. you got to stop those cops. Run them off the road, dangle a donut in front of them. I don't care. Just tell them they're going the wrong way. Easy peasy, boss. Hey, leave it to me. You'll never catch him in time. Is that coffee? I can't believe I'm saying this, but drink up. Hmm? We may want to stand back. Go get him, boy.
Abelcar arrives at the mountain. Boingo's going over his plan with uh, some of his henchmen, like Dolph, who's rather incompetent, and Keith, who needs to change his name. Darn it, Keith, change your name. It's not scary. Somehow Red has followed them up there. I'm not exactly sure how that came about. Has a karate chop fight with Boingo where he just uses his ears because he's apparently insanely competent with his ears. He whips up on her like she starts crying because he's just a ruthless villain. She gets tied up. He explains his evil plan of using this chemical formula called Boingonium to uh, infect into all the goodie recipes he stole and basically take over the entire forest, uh, which is pretty awesome. And basically, uh, he's like, Red, we're going to give you a one-way trip to all this and loads the cable car full of dynamite as he sings Top of the World, our last musical number of the movie. And she gets thrown into this cable car with dynamite and he drops the uh, the name of the movie. He says, you've been hoodwinked, baby. Roll credits. Oh, yeah. She, oh. He cuts, he breaks the brake. Right. So, so can't break. the whole time, Wolf W. Wolf, Kirk, and Granny have been hiding out outside, nodding the head to the Wizard of Oz, where they hide behind the rock. And the Wizard of Oz, they hide behind the rock this time. Uh, all the henchmen hey, come up right behind on. them as she's talking about how they're all stupid and ugly. Big fight. Wolf may bite some people. A little scuffle behind the rock. Pretty He's, awesome. He, like, sighs before he does it. Cut to Flippers and Chief Grizzly who are driving up there. Twitchy gets right in front of them. He basically starts spatting out nonsense about how they're going up to the mountain. He's talking ridiculously fast. So they start using a tape recorder, play it back, and he has, like, this deep professional voice where he's like, they're currently being held captive up in the mountains. And where my like companions that. are currently trying to. Yeah. Like. So he basically explains to the police chief what's going on, that everybody's up in the mountain having a little scuffle. Meanwhile, Red is again thrown in that, that cable car. Wolf and uh, and Kirk have stolen some outfits. Wolf is like this contractor and Kirk as Dolph. Uh, Kirk walks in disguised as Dolph despite his beard pointing out of Dolph's mask. Uh, Wolf's the inspector. He's like, gotta make sure all evil plans are up to code and stuff like that, like these stupid lines. He's inspecting the whole joint. Bra- Granny breaks in. Is only given away by a drop of hairspray that falls from her nose, which Boingo picks up with his keen sense of smell. As Wolf continues to ramble about inspectors, she drops, gets on a bike, starts taking out all the goons with some goody trays. But, you know, Boingo, as he sees this happening, goes ahead and breaks the brakes off of the uh, Red Riding Hood cable car and sends her down to certain death by dynamite. Uh, Granny starts following her by hopping on a goody tray and basically ziplining down the cable car track. Kind of, <laughs> kind of unrealistic. Yeah, but, we'll but you go. know, this is, after all, hoodwinked. Wolf W. Wolf and Kirk are like, yeah, let's take the truck. Let's, let's just take the truck. Uh, as some of the goons get on the zip line, everybody's on the zip line. The tape recorder has pointed out that Red's coming down the cable car, and they're like, oh, looks like they're coming to us. Red escapes from the cable car, uh, which is very poorly designed with a tile that can be kicked out of the floor. Jumps out of the cable car, is rescued by Granny who's ziplining. They cut the cable car loose so that it doesn't bomb the entire village. Lands in a river. Blows fish all over our fishermen from earlier. Still fishing? Yes, they Not are still fishing. Drive. Uh, and the people that were ziplining after him, uh, the police have lined up at the end of the zipline. They capture them all one by one. Boingo and the like are all immediately taken captive to return in Hoodwink 2. Some kind of, you know, <gasps> loose ends tied up with some reporter talk. Kirk's become a big star. He's now performing with some, like, traveling yodel band at the end of the movie. Uh, Nikki Flippers is telling them all this. Wolf, I think, is back into reporting or something like that. But Nikki ends it with the stereotypical, there's another case and you guys have made a great team. And the movie fades out, directed by Corey Edwards. End credits. 
All right, quick kind of recaps. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about the end, like end climax, end climax fight scene? You think it was executed well? Kind of short. Yeah, I was gonna say it's honestly one of the weaker points of the movie is kind of the way this all resolves. I think that justice just, like, was served, but could have been uh, could have been so, better. She so easily just escapes from the cable car and they just get imprisoned like immediately. Yeah. I, don't know, I would have liked to see a more glorious ending to, despic- to the despicable, Boingo. Like a manhunt. Who's been such a like, legend throughout this movie. Uh, any like highlight jokes? You have any that like still stick in your head? Like that is just like your favorite joke. Period. Maybe not your favorite. What's what's up there? I do say tight a lot in the bear's voice. Tight. Tight. Give me some snickety doo. Snickety doo. I feel like I still now and then start to, like like get the song that the goat sings in my head. Um, I like everything Wolf says. Like they're all so snarky. They don't leave as much of an imprint as your mind. Some of the signature jokes, but like all those are supremely under. Just, just too many to list off. Too many to pick a favorite. Yeah, too many jokes. I mean, this movie is, again, not only is it nonstop with jokes, and by nonstop, like, quite literally, almost every line is comedic in one way or another, but they all land, like, seriously. I feel like they all land. This movie might not be everybody's cup of tea, might not be everybody's sense of humor, but I feel like it can appeal to pretty much everyone in one way or another. All right, well, that's about it for the spoiler full section of Hoodwinked. Again, as we suspected, because there is no big themes, analysis, or character arcs to be looked at in this section. It was pretty much just us talking about how we would really like some of the comedy in this movie and playing clips for you incessantly. But, you know, enough rambling. I can apologize all I want for this Spurful section, but in the end of the day, the Spurful section is inevitably us just geeking out about what movie we're talking about that day. That's it. Any, any final thoughts, Mason? I think so. This movie is... To all these has-beens in the ratings who's given it once oh, and, and walked out of the theater. <laughs> yeah, there's oh. some there's some You're bashing on something reviews. I, I, hope, I hope you've gotten what was coming to you. Yeah, there's some bashing reviews on IMDb that just like I look at and shake you my head. You walked out of the theater? I hate you. That's even worse. I understand if you came out of this, you're like, not my cup of tea. You didn't even give the rest of this movie a chance. There's no reconciliation for that. There's no coming back. Stupid. All right, that's about it. We won't ramble any further. We already did the why you should watch it and all of that. So that's about it from Cine Study. I'm your host, Dylan. Joining me today was... Jason. And uh, we'll catch you next time. This has been Episode 8, Hoodwinked of Cine Study. Still no closing catchphrase, so all we're going to say is... Tight! Yeah, all we're going to say is... Tight! Thank you for listening to Cine Study. 